is that there's just so many other benefits about plant-based eating that it doesn't have to be necessarily an argument about calories or junk food or health food. Uh, for example, my own two daughters were in elementary school when my family switched to plant-based and they were like, oh, you know, we we love animals. We don't have to eat animals anymore. Oh, great. It was like an easier switch for them uh, when we brought that angle into the conversation. Do you believe that God wants you healthy? Then join me, Cersei Blue and Gigi Carter on the Healthy for My Purpose podcast, where we help you realize the relationship between your health and your purpose. We share how eating like Daniel can revolutionize your life. Through discussions and interviews, we challenge you to discover the powerful connection between plant-based nutrition, your body, and your faith. It's time. Welcome to another episode of Healthy For My Purpose. Have you changed your eating habits or are you curious about what a plant-based lifestyle will look like for you, but you're apprehensive because what about the kids? They will never get on board with this. We got you. Gigi and I talk with Dr. Lee Ettinger, who specializes in helping families transition their kids to a plant-based diet. We talk about all ages, picky eaters, and yes, your young adults. So if you want to bring your children along with you on your health journey, this is the episode for you. Without further ado, let's jump in. All right. Welcome to another episode of Healthy for My Purpose. We have the privilege and the honor to be here with the wonderful Lee Ettinger, otherwise known as the herbivore doctor or Dr. Herbivore. Um, And we're going to have a conversation with him about a topic that so many of us I know that once we've started going plant-based have struggled with, if you have family, is how do you um, bring your family on board, you know, and we're going to talk about it in all stages of life. We're going to tackle the babies and we're going to go right up to your adult children and your teenagers and everything in between. So we're so excited to have you, Dr. Lee. Um, so let's jump right in. Um, one of the biggest things, and I know for myself, I, I've personally experienced this, is you come into this new way, this new lifestyle of eating plant-based, you're taking charge of your health, you know, maybe you've suffered from obesity or high blood pressure, and you're on your road to living healthy, and you know everything about what food does to the body and all of that, and then you come home, and it doesn't match, right? Maybe you have a spouse, or you have children that you've been feeding them a certain way for the longest time. And then you've made this change and now you're trying to help your family transition, but there's resistance. And one of the things that Gigi and I talk about in our program is breaking generational patterns of poor health and seeing yourself as a part of that process of breaking those chains. Um, And so we want to just get right to the root of it. Like, how is it possible? First of all, is it possible? Can you go home as the only person and just have your children who's been eating the chips and eating the junk and eating all of these things and say, hey, guys, we're going whole food plant based and they're kicking and screaming. How does this happen? How does it make it work? I'm I'm curious myself because I've been in the trenches. And to be honest, I'm a little bit still in the trenches. I'm I'm, I'm so eager to hear what you got to say. Okay. Uh, first of all, thank you, Cersei and Gigi, for having me back yeah. on your, 
your talk here, your chat. Uh, I'm really excited to catch up with you too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's it can be hard, um, certainly, like you said, to, to come home and be all excited about the plant-based diet uh, for yourself, but then you have the rest of your family that that uh, it's important to nourish them. And, and like you said, maybe they're resisting change. But um, speaking particularly about the kids, I kind of don't blame them. Um, you know, uh, they're not being bad kids. They're not being headstrong or talking back or something like that. They're they're just being uh, kids who are interested in their own survival too. So if they're used to calories and salt and added sugar and fat up way up there, uh, and then that's all the way all of a sudden yanked away, their brain's going to be like, wait a second, uh, how am I going to survive on this uh, lower calorie food? And, uh, you know, 100,000 years ago, uh, the child would be in extreme stress if they weren't getting the calories to survive the upcoming winter, the upcoming famine that that was probably going to happen. So um, you could see how we have this survival instinct built in that where all of our senses are geared to getting those extra calories and our brain centers um, reward us when we do find those extra calories. So to come in and say, well, we're not preparing for the next winter anymore. Uh, that could be frightening for uh, a child. Um, why are these people that are supposed to be nourishing me and and preparing me for any hardship, uh, yanking away all this good stuff? So uh, it's just the evolutionary situation, evolutionary mismatch situation we're in. Whereas uh, all of uh, our desires are geared toward preparing our bodies for any hardships, but those hardships aren't coming. We're just having feast after feast after feast. Yeah. So I think when I think about this, I think about it in terms of like where the child is in their stage of development. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, like if we're talking about infants, it's not really an issue. It's not like a non-starter. You just go ahead and move them over. Right. Or they're already on it in most cases. It's just keeping them on it. Um, but then when you get into the toddlers, when you know, and the preschoolers, when you start, you know, like I can remember as a, as a child, um, I'm kind of the middle kid in my family. And so my sister's the youngest. And I remember when she was, um, I was probably like a preschooler or I don't know, second grader or whatever. And I can remember going to Burger King or McDonald's and all she would order is French fries, Coke and ketchup. That was her standard order, French fries, mm -hmm. Coke and ketchup. And she just got so hooked on those French fries and with the ketchup, of course, and washing it down with Coke that, you know, I think it starts at an early age when we don't, you know, like as adults, we don't realize we're passing our food addictions on to our children. And so all of a sudden we get the light, you know, we get the light, like, oh my goodness, I've been doing this for so many years. And then you realize, oh my goodness, I've been doing this to my children, you know, how, like, in your practice, have you found ways to, you know, get even toddlers or preschoolers kind of moving in the direction of eating more whole plant foods, even if it's not, they've gone, you know, full on all the way, but like, what are some strategies you've used or seen that have been helpful? Well, the good thing about eating more plants is that you get more fiber in your diet and that can be very fiddling. And so, uh, you can encourage these fruits and vegetables and starches and whole grains and uh, get the child more full. So hopefully they're satisfied and that survival instinct that we have 
and be satisfied and not be uh, seeking out and craving all that extra stuff anymore. Um, even if you can say uh, you can have that uh, junk food, like what, what we call junk food, after you have this, uh, then maybe they'll eat less of the junkier food because they're fuller on the plant fiber. They can have the treat after uh, working and negotiating with them like that. Um, another way uh, that I work with the younger kids, we're talking about like elementary school kids, is that there's just so many other benefits about plant-based eating that it doesn't have to be necessarily an argument about calories or junk food or health food. Uh, for example, my own two daughters were in elementary school when my family switched to plant-based and they were like, oh, you know, we we love animals. We don't have to eat animals anymore. Oh, great. It was like an easier switch for them uh, when we brought that angle into the conversations. Uh, like, uh, you know, this is now important to the family. We don't want to eat animals, cute animals anymore. So it, it's nice uh, for an older kid who's maybe learning about the environment in school and um, the concerns that people have about the environment. You, you can talk about how eating more plant-based uh, uh, creates less waste and uses less resources and is overall better for the environment. So I like that there are different angles that we can approach that the child might be interested in. Uh, because uh, a child's not necessarily worried about heart disease or diabetes or things like that. Um, but uh, if you can talk to them on a, a wavelength that they uh, understand and appreciate it, their developmental stage, then all the better. Yeah, I love that you said that because it's helping that child develop their why. And sometimes we go into it with our why, high blood pressure, and they're like, I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, they're kids, they can't connect with that. So I really like right. um, that you brought in the idea of finding a why from a child's perspective, like the animals and the environment. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I really liked that you talked about is um, coming in from that empathy standpoint that they too are having to pull away from those foods that they've been eating for all this time and so we come in sometimes and just say do this do that and we forget that they're just like us and they have to go through that process um and so could you just go a little deeper into because i love the fact that you said you your children were in elementary school tell us a little deeper about how you made your whole family transition because i think mm -hmm. we say it lightly like oh yeah my whole family went plant-based you know but w tell us some of those intricate pieces because that's kind of a, an amazing thing a lot of people are trying to do that how what did it look like for your family how did you do it and what are some tips that you can glean from that for the rest of us listening right the my kids it took them about two weeks to notice that the milk had changed <laughs> all of a sudden you know, they're like oh hey the milk carton is different why is that uh so uh yeah you can kind of be uh just start replacing stuff and there are so many uh plant-based products uh, you know, chicken nuggets and plant-based uh, meats and cheeses and stuff like that, that uh, sometimes it can be as, as easy as switching out uh, with a plant-based alternative. Um, and then really trying to encourage uh, feeding and filling up on fruit. Uh, you know, the kids, they, uh, they have smaller stomachs than adults. So eating three big meals three times a day doesn't necessarily work so well with how their 
intestines work. <laughs> you know, the, the, that's why they, they're eating such small amounts and are always being encouraged to clean their plate uh, at the meal. But then an hour or two later, they're looking for snacks again. It's just because they they fill up quickly and uh, are their stomach will empty quickly. So they're looking for snacks. So um, grazing, I think uh, that grazing is more appropriate for a child with a small stomach that they can eat smaller meals and have snacks in between. So really trying to encourage the, the fruits and uh, having um, you know vegetable snacks that they like, uh, maybe dipping in hummus or uh, things like that that uh, they can easily snack on uh, before they go rummaging around. I like to keep. Uh, we've talked about this before. I like to keep bananas out uh, so that when you um, walk in the kitchen, you can see and you're hungry and you want a snack. You see the banana first thing, and you can grab that before having feeling the need to rummage through the the pantry or the or the refrigerator. So th those are some some tips. Um, and then also uh, for um, uh, the person's interest, for example, uh, the, we're still talking about elementary school kids. If they are interested in animal welfare, uh, maybe visiting an animal sanctuary um, to kind of see uh, a lot of kids have never met a cow, uh, never seen a chicken or, or a petted a pig or things like that. So uh, getting them to connect uh, with their food in that way. Um, or even if in the area of fruit picking or apple picking, uh, I think that these are good ways to teach a young kid kind of where the where the food comes from uh, and what it looks like when it's when it's picked and and how to pick foods. So uh, those kind of things I think are developmentally appropriate for the elementary school age, so that they can start to get a more hands-on experience, having the child uh, pick out recipes and pick out. Uh, grocery shopping and picking out um, and, and working together in the kitchen is also very developmentally appropriate so that they can get some um, get some skin in the game almost with uh, with what they're preparing and what they're eating and uh, making decisions about uh, what what they want and kind of giving them a sense of control. My parents tell me that, that they used to, um, you know, giving uh, me when I was a young child a choice uh, like would you like corn on the cot tonight or corn uh, in a bowl, <laughs> you know, already, or, or maybe popcorn, but like uh, they were getting uh, say corn into me and making it appear that it was my choice. Uh, but uh, they were really, uh, you know, all paths led to getting more corn into me, for example. Um, so uh, giving a child like kind of that sense of autonomy and, and starting to make decisions about their food by kind of giving them, uh, guidance uh, in the plant-based realm is another uh, good I, step for. I'm listening to you and I'm sitting here thinking I have to make sure my husband doesn't listen to this podcast because I play <laughs> that trick on him. Uh, would yeah. you like your kale yeah. steamed or would you like it in a salad or would you like it in a smoothie? <laughs> there you go. See, uh -oh. <laughs> it, it works for all ages. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> That's hilarious. So um, another question I have is, can you talk about the the picky eater as a child, because mm -hmm. I find that when you're dealing with a picky eater, it's a whole nother dynamic in terms of mm -hmm. trying to get them to try new things and to eat new plants. And then on the other side, could you talk a little bit about the child who's resisting and, and should you be arguing over food and should you be yelling and screaming over at the dinner? Mm -hmm. I'm asking for a friend. Like, should <laughs> you be, you know, should there be this tug of war or how do you diffuse that and how do you move away from that conflict? Because then there's a conflict around food and move into more of a, um, a gentler way of handling that. 
right? Uh, so there's the, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of this uh, feeding theory, maybe the Ellen Slatter feeding division of responsibility, it's called, if someone searches a feeding division of responsibility. So the parent is responsible for the, the what uh, and the when of mealtime and snack times, so like what you're going to eat, when you're going to eat it. And uh, the child is responsible for how much they're going to eat. So the parent is putting out and preparing. Again, we're talking about younger kids and picky eaters. Um, the, the parent is responsible for selecting the foods and um, preparing them and, and giving the options to the child. And the child can decide how much. And that may be zero, that they, they're just not going to eat it. And then they're not going to eat that meal. Um, and you know, the child will get hungry, the child will eventually eat. Um, and uh, it can be hard as a parent not to feed our children. Again, we have these instincts, uh, but the child's not, no harm is going to come to the child for missing one meal. And uh, even if they go to bed hungry, uh, they'll wake up and try again the next day. And uh, that can be extremely uncomfortable for a parent, uh, but but uh, the child will eventually eat. Again, unless there's like something medical going on or or something uh, else developmentally. Um, certainly there are children with special needs that this wouldn't be appropriate for, but for your, your basic child, then um, you gotta work with them and they have to realize that uh, they can't say no to the food and uh, then 10 minutes later uh, be getting cookies because uh, that's just going to kind of train them that uh, they don't have to eat what is being prepared and the, the treat will come later no matter what. Uh, so it, it does take some resolve, some parenting resolve, and I'm kind of glad my my kids are out of that stage. Um, but uh, yeah, if uh, you can stick, if you can learn more, there's a, uh, you know, resources online about this uh, division of responsibility when feeding kids. And uh, if the child says no, then then the child doesn't eat. And as hard as that sounds, um, maybe that will uh, get the child hungry enough to eat what you're offering later. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a tough one. And yeah. so, so, you, so you don't, so you're obviously saying there's, there shouldn't be the argument. You just say, okay, well, this is what is being served tonight. Would you <laughs> like some or would you not? So that is, so that kind of diffuses this back and forth of just eat this, don't eat that. And it, you're just laying it out there is what you're saying as yeah. part of the responsibility. And the child can say no. Now I have teenagers, I have three teenagers in the home. So if my wife or I make a, di a dinner, because oh, that's pretty much the only meal we're eating these days together, except for the, so make a dinner and put it out and my child says no, then they're making their own dinner, <laughs> you know? And, and they're they're doing it now. They're not leaving and coming back in an hour and and uh, having dessert, you know? They're, they're at this point, at this age, the three teenagers, they're making their own dinner. So now that you brought up teenagers, tell okay. us, let's, let's talk a little bit about teenagers. We'll, we'll circle back to the middle schoolers, but the teenager, how do you, how do you facilitate that? Because teenagers have a lot more autonomy in terms of sometimes they work a part-time job, they can buy things, they, they have a lot of more influence outside of the home. How do you um, navigate that with, a, with an older child who are more set in their ways and your influence on them is not as you know, as prominent as when they were smaller. Yeah, certainly they're building autonomy. Um, they might have their own money that they've earned in their pocket and uh, more freedom with driver's licenses and things like that and friends' houses. So yeah, um, they we keep, I'll speak for myself, is that we keep a plant-based home um, except for 
cheese. They're two out of my three kids uh, like dairy cheese and can't seem to get off of it, but that's their option. And again, if they want that on their meal, they have to go to the fridge themselves and select it and put it on their meal. Um, so, uh, and, and they have, uh, my, I have 17 year old twins, they have their jobs and they have uh, dates and they have their own money. And uh, when they're out, uh, we have the plant-based home, but when they're out they're they're free to do what they want. Obviously, I'm not there at all. So um, they're free to do what they want. And uh, now my my 17-year-old daughter, she's really down with the plant-based program. She, like I said, ever since a young age, not eating animals was was a bonus for her. She's happy to not do it. Uh, my son uh, does eat meat out of the home and uh, that's his choice. He's 17-year-old and uh, there's not much I can do about it except for uh, the education that we've provided him up to this point. But if if that's his choice, then that's his choice. It does get into a situation when we're, we'll be out to dinner as a family and he's like, can I order this meat? <laughs> and uh, we, we say no. Um, and then he says, I'll use my own money. And then we're like, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, we just don't want to pay for it. But if he's using, he's got a job. If he wants to use his own money, then then that's his his choice. So. That's the situation we're in with the with the teens. Yeah, and you know, I want to circle back it, with the teens, and maybe this will touch on the middle schoolers. I'm not sure, but you you brought up your daughter and the animal piece. Um, you know, I've often found it interesting that we have no qualms about showing kids where like strawberries come from or apples come from, and I can remember school trips you know, living, growing up in Ohio, we would go to a place where they made maple syrup. So we would go and see how the, the maple would come out of the tree and their process for making the syrup that goes onto the pancakes or whatever. And, um, but I never saw a slaughter, slaughterhouse. I mean, I never saw like how that meat, whether it was, you know, chicken meat or beef or pork or any of those things ended up on my plate and we shield children from that for a reason um which i find very interesting that we don't shield them from the plants but we shield them from the animal piece of it um at what point do you think it's appropriate to share with children the reality of where those foods mm -hmm. come from yeah, I don't know. I see a lot of discussion uh, in online groups about this. Um, and uh, I think it really depends on the sensitivity of the child. Uh, I mean, I know that as a child, I would have gotten nightmares <laughs> from that. Um, I was kind of very uh, easily uh, upset by stuff like that. <clears throat> so I don't think that would have been helpful to me as a child. Um, I know that my, my wife did have a conversation with my son and she'd be like, I would be happy to buy you uh, meat when you were all out to dinner, if you request it, as long as she uh, watched this documentary and read this book and we discuss it. Like she was like, okay, I just want you to know, I, I forget which of the various documentaries and books that she was, but she's like, I just want you to know where your food's coming from. And if you accept that, then she's like, I'll, I'll accept it with you. I'll support you. I'll buy you meat when we're out to dinner. And, um, He's like, no, I don't want to read that. And she's like, well, there's an interesting observation. <laughs> like, there's a point, exactly. You, know? <laughs> um, uh, you didn't so, account for that answer. <laughs> she, she's she's a lawyer, um, but she was like, she's like, okay, so uh, 
I'm not buying your meat and you have to use your own money. And yeah. it's kind of a shame that you don't want to know where your food from, comes from, but um, there we are. That's the situation we're in. I like your um, wife. I haven't met her, but I like her already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's she's uh, she's a smart cookie. So um, She is. Um, so are there any, we're going to talk a little bit, you offer a program for families nourishing your plant-based child. But before we even get to that, are there any resources in terms of videos or movies or documentaries for, for you know, younger kids and maybe high schoolers that you would recommend that they watch to kind of give them that introduction? Like maybe you don't have access to go to a slaughterhouse or anything, but do you have any documentaries that you would yeah. recommend even for elementary school? Because mm -hmm. I know there's the ones that are for the adults that maybe higher level teenagers can have that, but what about for the little kids? Right. Or, is there any kind of shows or documentaries or books around that? Well, when I'm working with families and especially with the little kids, I'm, I'm mostly um, focused on the uh, parents in the house, the adults in the house that are feeding and preparing the food and selecting the food. Um, they're the ones that I really want to get on board. So um, I like, uh, and it, again, it depends on what their interests are and what their concerns are, but uh, forks over knives, what the health are all great. Um, uh, for, I had a teenage uh, young woman who uh, was spending her weekends uh, cleaning up parks in our community. I was like, oh, you know, it's great that you're you're acting and thinking locally. Let's uh, talk about uh, how our food choices affect the global system. And, and I encourage her to watch Cowspiracy. Um, and then, uh, you know, other times I get a young man who's an athlete or a young woman um, who's an athlete and uh, encourage them to watch Game Changers. Uh, which did you see? There's an announcement this week that uh, they're making a sequel. So, I saw that yeah, yeah, part everyone, two. So. I'm so excited. I love the I love the original, but I can't wait to see the part two. So that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we'll get some good, some more good vegan propaganda out of that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. I don't mind calling it propaganda because I feel like we've been hearing propaganda our whole life about how yeah. we need milk and yeah. and meat and that's just all. Just this is just another option for you that there is this other propaganda out there that has a different message so yeah uh those are the those are the videos i like and um um i, I watched a recent video soon i don't know if it's widely available it's called they're trying to kill us mm -hmm. uh have you seen this have you yes heard about this? yes yes, um, yes yes so that was really good um bringing up racial justice issues mm -hmm, yeah. and so if i'm working with a family is interested in that although i don't know i haven't heard about like where it's streaming or something i was yeah, able to watch yeah, it. It's a hard one to find. It's a hard one to find. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I don't, what what suggestions do you have? What do you? Yeah, because like I was trying to recommend? figure out suggestions for the little children. Because I find that there's this yeah. gap there where if you're trying to show a kid that's eight, seven, not like as an introduction to that, I think those ones will be a little bit too sophisticated. They, yeah, I mean, they might be able to yeah. understand it, but not fully. Um, I was wondering if there was resources for the smaller child to kind of, I know there's some children's books out there, even Gigi, your spinach in my teeth that kind of lay the foundation. But I was, you know, wondering if there was more resources out there for that smaller child to mm -hmm. kind of introduce them to that type of thing. So. I want to ask no, you that's, also Yeah, about... that's a good point. I wish... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Lee. Uh, I was getting a little breaking up there. But yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I should look into it. I wish that there are would, were like some more good resources for that age group because um, I haven't seen many out there. So yeah, 
I want to um, shift gears just a little bit and talk about emotional eating. I have um, I have a friend who has a nephew that um, has stage three or class three obesity, um, and it started in his kind of early, like early teen years, and it has just gotten worse and worse and worse. And there's definitely kind of a, a food addiction situation going on, um, but it started with emotional eating. And I just want to ask you, because we cover that in our program for adults, but hey, it would be so great if we could nip that in the bud, you know, before it even starts. Mm. Um, what, you know, kind of what have you seen or experienced in terms of tackling that specific issue as, as a root cause of, you know, um, some of the health issues that you've seen? Yeah, I don't blame anyone uh, for emotional eating. I think, again, I, I really like the evolutionary model. And um, uh, so many of our stresses in prehistoric times were physical uh, about the weather and food scarcity and things like that, uh, that if we were to get some calories, it would make sense to eat a lot of them uh, so that uh, it would ease our stress about what was going on around us that we had so little control of uh, 100,000 years ago. So I, I think that uh, we uh, evolved or been designed uh, to get uh, to seek out calories and, and get relief of our mental stresses with the calories. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot of stresses to being a kid these days, and uh, sometimes not a lot of good outlets for that stress other than eating and getting the reward centers of our brain happy from the, the calories and the sugar and the, and the fat and the salt. And so uh, it, it's like not surprising that someone would, and I don't blame someone for following that path. Unfortunately, nowadays calories are just so easily available that it can easily lead into obesity. So yeah, um, I do wonder, uh, and I do, uh, when I do hear about emotional eating, I do wor worry about um, someone might have an underlying anxiety disorder or even depression that they're almost self-medicating with. Mm -hmm. And there are screen there are screening tools uh, in the pediatric that are validated in pediatrics that it's good to go through with families and kids to mm -hmm. see if maybe they do have this undiagnosed or underlying anxiety disorder. And I've also heard, um, you know, people that start whatever diets, uh, this or that diet, um, not just plant-based, but starting any diet that reduces the calories, reduces the added sugar or fats or salts or things like that, that uh, they can report increased anxiety mm. um, while their comfort foods are yanked away from them. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, mental health is, is a crisis in this country too, as well as the obesity, they may be almost intertwined. So working with someone, uh, getting them the, the mental health care mm. um, is important. There is, I can plug a free online program uh, called Seven Cups uh, okay. that has professional listeners for free uh, that you can uh, talk to someone who's been trained to listen uh, to you and, and uh, non, in a non-judgmental way. And, and it's down to age 13, 13 and up, and it's for adults too. And there are like premium programs where you can go on and work with a, a more professional something. But if, if uh, one of your listeners is out there and feeling this anxiety and, and stresses that maybe seven cups could be helpful mm -hmm. as a someone to talk to. Oh. Um, 
but uh, I'm kind of changed my tune lately, especially with the American Academy of Pediatrics in January of this year, recommending anti-obesity medicines for even teenagers mm. that, um, uh, and it's, it's all over the press, it's all over the news, how popular these anti-obesity medicines are. Uh, but one of the reports that's coming out from these patients is that they, they finally feel full, uh, that they've never in all their years of eating felt full and satisfied, satisfied enough to step away from the plate and say, huh, I've had enough. Um, and so it works in the brain chemistry to increase satiety. Mm -hmm. And so for, you know, you're bringing up someone who's emotional eating and, and for other people that might be struggling with their weight, um, I got to say the, the evidence is that these medicines, uh, yeah, they have their side effects and they're expensive and, and controversial in their own way. And who knows what, you know, the long-term uh, right. effects are going to be. But to hear someone say, I've never felt full until I started on this medicine and it's allowed me to step away from the table. Um, that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, I think we we would have to have another podcast to debate yeah. this. I have strong feelings about the medications. Like, I think part of it is there's no exit strategy for it. I think yeah. the other part of it for me is you're not really dealing with the root cause of it. Um, yes, yes. So, but we can, we can, we can put a, we can table that for another podcast. Cause I'll just of go course. off on a tangent and I want to keep this focused on the, on the kids. But I think with the emotional eating um, piece of it, I think it's hard being a, a young kid, you know, I think it's even worse today than it was when I was coming along. I'm a Gen Xer. And so we didn't have Instagram and social media, you know, pressuring me to look this way or look that way. I mean, yeah, we had like Cosmopolitan and Teen Magazine kind of doing that, but it wasn't so constant and in your face, you know? And um, I just feel like there, the dynamics have changed so much that you know a different approach kind of has to be used to deal with this because it is a growing issue and um i haven't like figured out i don't know what the secret sauce is for figuring it out yet but i do think that um i do think that there is uh a, a spiritual component to it as well and i know it's something cersei and i feel strongly about and some things we're developing but, you know, let's kind of transition, though, because I'm going off. I'll go down a road that mm -hmm. has nothing to do with this. Let's kind of circle back to your program, because um, you gave me the opportunity to kind of go through the course a little bit. And um, it's called uh, Nourish Your Plant-Based Child. And I just think it's a wonderful resource, because once you do get your child, you know, moved over, at least open to, you know, adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle, you want to make sure that you're doing it the right way, that you're helping your, your, your child, you know, um, grow and thrive and all those things. Can you maybe share a little bit about the course, the program, who it's for, um, you know, what are some of the key points that you really emphasize in the program? Yeah, thanks. It's, um, it's about two, two and a half hours of uh, short videos and uh, reading material that I uh, put together really to help support families who are trying to raise a child plant-based. Uh, there's a lot of information about uh, adults eating plant-based. 
um, especially to prevent or reverse disease. But uh, as a pediatrician, uh, kids are not just little adults. Uh, as I mentioned already, they have smaller stomachs. And so you really got to maximize the nutrition that's going in uh, with that smaller stomach. So yeah, I really wanted to put together a course that would help and support families, especially if they're not able to talk to their own pediatrician, uh, you know, even I take my kids to the pediatrician and, and uh, the pediatrician is like, well, where are they getting their protein? And what about calcium? And, you know, my kids are like rolling their eyes. <laughs> so um, it, this uh, e-course that I put together, I really want to give uh, short, really easily digestible lessons about the nutrients and about the philosophy in general. And then what I really wanted to help is that people would kind of get this nutrition background, this nutrition education to last a lifetime. So um, you do the few hours of the course, but then you have the tools to go on if a, if a question is raised uh, in a few years that you want to double check about that uh, the information is there because and nutrition, there's uh, sections on just really basics of nutrition, and then uh, going all the way up to um, how to use chronometers. So chronometers is a free program online uh, where you can track your diary of foods for the day. And it will tell you your macros, how much protein, how much carbs, things like that. And then 82 micronutrients. So you can see uh, if you're getting enough selenium or copper or this or that. Uh, so um, there's a no real lessons online about how to use this for kids, let alone plant-based kids. Uh, so I made a tutorial. Uh, so you can kind of work along in the tutorial and understand uh, how to use this program. It's free. And uh, I'm not a spokesman for it. It's just a useful program that I, I use with my own families. And um, yeah, so going forward, uh, if you have any question ever does come up, uh, you can know how to address it with uh, the Corona meeting. Wow, I love that. So, um, so how do families get a get get this program? Oh, uh, you can go to Dr. Herbivore website, and there's a tab for e-courses that takes you to uh, the e-courses. There's there's that one, and then there's two others. There's another one called Making the Switch uh, to Plant Based Eating. It's a guide for all ages. So uh, you were asking about like picky eaters and. Um, there's information there for adults and parents, but also information for uh, raising your child if you want to make the switch for your family too, about younger kids and teenagers and things like that, and really into the psychology of, of how to make this switch. Uh, and then uh, there's a, a third course for uh, applying the plant-based diet specifically to pediatric obesity. So how to select foods and how to ensure that uh, the child is getting uh, the right amount of uh, nutrients while still uh, reducing their calories, things like that, exercise, um, all, all the uh, all the uh, things that you might need to know as a parent who's struggling with obesity in your family. So the Dr. Herbivore website, uh, e-courses. Awesome. And we'll put a link to your website in the show Thanks. notes as well. So um, Dr. Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so grateful that you um, came back. This is the second time you've been on our podcast, and um, I always learn something new and get something out of out of it myself. So we're we're so grateful for your time today, and uh, hope you'll come back again sometime later. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Hey there, are you curious about how eating like Daniel can help you lose weight or reverse your diabetes, but you're not sure if eating a plant-based diet is for you? Book a free 20-minute coaching call with us. Go to at Daniel Fast to Healthy Living on Instagram and click the link in our bio to book a call. Thank you for joining us on the Healthy For My Purpose podcast. We hope you enjoyed the community and are walking away empowered and encouraged to live your healthiest life for your God-ordained purpose. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram to enjoy fellowship with like-minded women. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this on iTunes. Until we meet again, keep honoring your body for your purpose.